my name is Bonnie Esau. I'm just pleased to be here with you today. Uh, a little bit about myself outside of my family. I actually grew up in a really small town called Hepburn, Saskatchewan. And so I'm a prairie girl at heart, um, but met my husband John at Bible College in Saskatchewan. And so very quickly was willing to move out to the West Coast. I was ready to trade the flat land and mosquitoes for the ocean and uh, moved out to Chilliwack in 2003. And so we've called Chilliwack home for many, many years, um, but of course have spent the last decade in Thailand serving as long-term missionaries and have just recently moved back. And so I'm excited to just share a little bit today with you about our journey and um, and explain what, what has brought us back to Canada. So we were actually back on home assignment last year. Um, well, I guess I should say two years ago now, 2020. And uh, due to the pandemic, we ended up getting stuck here for close to a year actually and had thought we were just coming back on home assignment and ended up here for 10 months uh, due to the pandemic. And so we saw in that time that our churches in Thailand were actually doing really well in our absence. And it was super encouraging to see they actually planted another church while we were gone. And uh, we just thought, man, I, maybe our time is coming to an end. And, but we were still eager to get back. We still felt like God had said our time was not yet done. And so we headed back to Thailand in January of 2021. And yeah, it didn't take long upon landing to see that our suspicions were very accurate. And the church network that we were affiliated with was doing really, really well. There was a lot of unity amongst our leaders, new church plants happening, um, just all the things that you can hope for within ministry. And uh, it gave us space to ask God, what's next for our family? And uh, we just felt that he was putting on our hearts um, North America and to come back to Chilliwack. Uh, so we're still piecing together the puzzle of what God has next for our journey. But um, John will actually be transitioning into a new organization as of February 1st. Uh, he'll be working as national leader for the Connecting Streams Intercultural Ministry with Power to Change, for those of you that know Campus Crusade. Um, and I will be actually going back to my former field of interior design, uh, doing some consulting on the side and working at Chilliwack Decorating here in town. So if you buy Benjamin Moore paint, you will see me at Benjamin Moore. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we're, we're excited for this next season and uh, anticipating good things. Um, we plan to stay very connected to our churches in Thailand. Uh, they are family to us. And so whether we're there physically or not, we will be with them in spirit um, from here on out. And yeah, so we wanted to take the time to thank you, Broadway, for your years of partnership. Uh, we knew when we left for the field that we could not do this alone. And uh, we are just so, so thankful for the ways that you have prayed and given financially and just been behind us as a family. It, it really has meant more than you even know. So thank you for partnering these last 10 years. All right, so I wanted to take some time today just to share and highlight one of our leaders in particular. Um, her name is Pastor Eyre, and this woman has inspired me in just countless ways. 
Uh, I had the privilege of working with her in this past year, this last year of our ministry in Thailand. Um, a little bit of her backstory, she was abandoned by her father at a very young age. And uh, in her teenage years, her mom got very ill and ended up passing away. And you've probably heard us talk about Pastor Chalum. He is like our, our key uh, apostolic leader in Northern Thailand. And so he actually took air under his wing and kind of helped raise her, in her into her adulthood. And she just really had a, had a heart to be a part of God's kingdom building and dedicated herself to going to Bible school for four years. And so she graduated in the summer of 2020 and felt that God was putting it on her heart to come and pastor our Chiang Mai church. Um, our Chiang Mai church is very strategically planted in a slum area of Chiang Mai city on the north end. Um, there are a lot of Kamu people in that area, which is the tribal group that she comes out of. And even though she knew nobody in that area, she felt really compelled to take on pastoring that church. So even though she came not knowing anyone, it was such an incredible transformation that happened so quickly. Uh, she spent most of her days in the, in the early, early days of getting there, just loving on the kids of the community. Like I said, it's in a slum. And so there are a lot of kids whose parents are factory workers. And so they're gone from very early in the morning till very late at night. And so these kids are just left to take care of themselves. And so she would go about making breakfast for them before they would go to school in the mornings. And she would have activities waiting for them at the church when they would come back from school. And it got to the point where these kids were just constantly, every extra minute they had, were at the church knocking on the glass, calling for her. And, uh, and she just really enveloped them with love. So, so for us, one of, the, one of the things that we saw very early on in the field um, was this, the danger of always feeling like you've got to prove your value of being on the field. And so it can, there can be a tendency to have to try to prove numbers, like how many people were saved, how many churches were planted, and, and things that you can calculate. And we felt really convicted early on um, that we didn't want to have to strive like that we wanted to ask ourselves, did I love well today? And you let that be our gauge for how successful, quote unquote, our ministry was. And, uh, and so this was something that I saw in Pastor Air so quickly in that she was just loving people day in and day out. And there was one man in particular who I will never forget, stumbled in the back of church one evening. We had just started the service. Uh, Pastor Air was at the front giving a few announcements. He came in, he was filthy, he reeked of alcohol, and he seemed really, really distracted and distraught. And he started pacing in the back of the church. And I started to feel really uneasy. I wasn't sure if we were in an unsafe situation. I was trying to catch Pastor Air's eye to see if she was feeling like things were okay. And before I knew it, he just charged straight down the middle of the aisle and took the microphone from her. And he went on to speak for honestly, probably over 10 to 15 minutes. I couldn't understand what he was saying uh, because he was speaking Northern Thai and we learned Central Thai. But then he just abruptly gave the microphone back to her and then stormed out the back of the church. And we were all sitting a little shell-shocked, wondering what was this all about? And she started to chuckle and she said, that was Uncle Jut. 
He lives in the community here. He collects cardboard as a way to make money to buy food for himself. And she said, this is a man that is just full of so much anger and addiction. And she said, you know, it was not, not long ago, he was biking down the street in front of the church one day and he had his bike all loaded up with cardboard and he must have just bought groceries and he hit a pothole and his bike went flying. All of his groceries went flying. He had bought milk, which is really hard to come by. It's expensive and it just poured out over the concrete. And she said he lost it. He started kicking things and swearing and screaming and having a full on adult tantrum in the street. And she said, I looked at him that day and I knew I have to reach this man for Jesus. And so she just started daily acts of kindness towards him. So she would go out and greet him every time he'd bike by. Then eventually she put a small cooler out front that had cold water in it. And she said, you know, Uncle Jut, this is just for you. If you're hot midday, come sit in the shade, have some cold water. And then that turned into regular lunches. He would come and eat with her midday and they would talk. And then it turned into her making him an iced coffee each afternoon before he'd go into the heat of the day to collect cardboard. And the transformation I saw in this man's life was honestly profound. He went from angry and addic addiction riddled to completely giving up drinking, cleaned himself up, never missed a Sunday service and just gave his life over to the Lord in such a beautiful way. And, and all of this was because Pastor Eyre loved well. And so I hope that each of us looks at who God has placed before us. And rather than trying to calculate how we are successful in our lives, but rather asking ourselves, did I love well today? And so I'm just going to pass it over now to my husband, John, who's going to bring God's word. And yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Bonnie. Um, I wanted to say thank you, Broadway for caring for us, for supporting us all these years. We knew it was going to take a lot of people coming around this vision to make it happen. And we really appreciate that Broadway, you were so willing to jump on board with us and engage in partnership with us. And for 10 years, that is no small feat. So thank you. Thank you very much. As we were transitioning away, we thought it was really appropriate to share lessons that we learned from uh, our friends, our Camus friends that were there, that we served alongside. And Bonnie shared some lessons that she gleaned from air, just a beautiful testimony of faithfulness to love. And I too have some, um, some lessons that I want to honor them with. I often thought about the cost of discipleship and my mind always went to that Luke 14 passage that talk, that Jesus is explaining the cost of following him. And he outlines a, an analogy around building a building and who goes and builds a building without counting the cost first. Because if you don't have enough, if you get to the finish the foundation and cannot go further, you look like a fool to everyone around you. And he, he goes into a king as well, who uh, won't go to war unless he counts the men he has and weighs whether he can win or not. And if he can't, he's going to send an advocate out to negotiate peace. And prior to Thailand, I often would reflect on that passage thinking about, do I want to pay this price or not? Is this a cost I want to incur? And if, if I don't want to, or I don't feel I can't, I won't even start. 
And it's so different since serving alongside these guys. They taught us the beauty of sacrificial love and generosity, generosity to one another, generosity to the kingdom. And after serving with them, I go back to this passage and Jesus actually says, um, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. He's not talking about whether you want to do things that are involved in your discipleship, things that are involved in ministry, but this is the very part of following him, being a disciple. And I was already a disciple. And so it's not about counting the cost and seeing if I want to pay it or not. These brothers and sisters taught me, this is the cost I will pay. And it's helpful to count it ahead of time. There's men that came from families who persecuted Chulam's dad severely, kept Chulam's dad from starting a church in that village at the beginning where he grew up. And now the sons of these men are going to plant churches. They're, they're stepping in the face of persecution, persecution that's coming from their family, familial pressure to give up their faith, to stop serving the kingdom. And they know that's a cost of following him. And they gladly step forward into that with, with sacrifices that they have to make. I think of Uncle Noam. Um, we've talked about Auntie M in the past. This is her husband. Uncle Noam one day, he, he went faint and fell over in the bathroom and hit his head on the sink and passed out on the floor of his bathroom. And while he's passed out, he sees... He has this vision of his dead ancestors surrounding him as he's laying on the floor. And they're all holding idols, familial idols. And they're compelling him to give up Jesus and take these back. This is what our family does. Take these back. Give up Jesus. Throw him out. And in this vision, he yells no. And he kicks the idols out of their hands. And so... the images of these people in the vision start stomping on him and beating him up. And he comes awake with bruises all over his body. These are the costs that these brothers and sisters are paying to be faithful to Jesus. And it's not about whether they want to incur them or not. It's about, hey, I'm a disciple. I'm following Jesus. And this is what it costs to follow him. And they will gladly step forward in these costs. Another lesson that came to mind um, was pretty apt because in talking with Gary, he said, you're in a a sermon series on lessons from nature. And my mind went to a time where we actually, I was with Chalum driving through the Fraser Canyon and we're talking about idioms. He's saying, hey, why don't you teach me some English idioms? And so I'm teaching him a few. And I ask him, why don't you teach me some more Thai idioms? And he says, Sua San Lep. And I pause because it, it means tiger that retracts his claws. And I had no idea how this could be an idiom. I had no idea where it was going. So I said, Chalom, please explain this more to me. I want to understand this. And Chalom says, well, you know tigers, John. I said, yeah. A tiger is a powerful animal, strong. And if, 
if you are face to face with a tiger and he has his claws out, he could kill you easily. But then you're with a tiger that has his, his, his claws retracted and pulled in. He's just a large cat and he's playful and you can interact with that tiger. I said, okay, I, I'm following you, but how is this an idiom? And he said, well, it means a powerful person that you would never suspect. Said, what do you mean? A powerful person that maybe you interact with them, you come across, you walk by them in the street and you would never assume that they are as powerful as they are. And I said, Shalom, you mean Jesus? He said, what do you mean? With Jesus, Jesus is the tiger with retracted claws because he's the creator. He is powerful, powerful enough to create everything around us. And yet he's gentle and lowly. This is the image that comes to mind as I think of the brothers and sisters we served with. I think of two men, I think of Uncle John and Punk Al. Uh, Uncle John is the man in the green striped shirt. Punk Al is the man standing in red with his arm around him. And these two men um, are just faithful servants of Christ, just powerfully serving the kingdom. But when I was visiting Uncle John a year ago in February of 2021, we're sitting and, and he's sharing his life with me. And he said, hey, John, have I ever told you of the first time I met Punk Al? I said, no, I've never heard this story. He said, we run into each other in Thailand, maybe 20, 25 years ago. And we're talking about life and where we came from. And Punk Al looks at me inquisitively and he says, did you fight in the military in Laos? And Uncle John said, yeah, I did. Did you? Yes. So Punkal goes, were you assigned to this valley? It was a specific valley. And Uncle John kind of froze a bit, withdrew a bit and said, yeah, I fought there. Did you? And Punkal said, yeah, I have as well. So Uncle John said, was it you that called the airstrike on us? And Punkau said, yeah, that was me. Uncle John said, we almost caught you. We had you pinned down. We were about to kill you. And you called that airstrike in and we fled. These two men that were trying to kill each other in war end up serving alongside each other in the kingdom. They're both church planters. Pankow is a powerful apostle that's calling leaders to step out in boldness, to do even more in ministry. Uncle John is faithfully serving in his church. He went from janitor of his church to pastor of his church. These are men that love the kingdom, but they know the price that it, that it costs to serve their country. But now they've abandoned all of that and put their whole allegiance over to the kingdom. And so they gladly pay any price to serve the kingdom and to serve God. They're men that are powerful, full of the spirit, yet they're gentle and they're lowly and they're humble. They're patient and quiet. We laugh, we joke. This is the beautiful image of who Christ is. A lion, but a lamb. 
powerful but gentle. And as these men leaned into being transformed into Christ's image, that's who they became. And it was a beautiful lesson to then step forward as well and engage in letting Christ transform me in the same way. I think of Chalom's dad. He's a tiger with retracted claws, a gentle, quiet man. He's deaf. So you try and talk to him and Chalom's mom jokes, why are you even talking with him? He can't hear you, but he's just so cute and, and gentle. You want to be with him and everyone overlooks him because he's gentle and quiet and lowly. But this is a man that has planted two churches amidst severe persecution. He has been faithful his entire life because he has the power of the Spirit within him, compelling him to push past, continue to be faithful. These are the people that we had the honor to serve with for 10 years and the honor to be discipled by and learn from, and we will dearly miss them. And so that's the lesson from nature that Jesus is the tiger with retracted claws, our powerful creator that gently walks with us and loves us. So thank you, Broadway, for walking with us for 10 years. As Bonnie mentioned, we are um, transitioning back to Canada. God compelled our hearts to uh, come back to serve the Canadian church. We weren't sure exactly what that would look like. We heard clearly the calling to transition out. Um, but sat with Jesus longer for several months, open, waiting, praying to see, God, what are you leading us to next then? And he brought us across, as Bonnie mentioned, uh, an organization, a ministry called Connecting Streams. And this is a ministry under Power to Change that wants to equip, empower, mobilize the local church in Canada to minister among vulnerable people groups. And there's seven streams, uh, inner city addiction recovery, widow to widow, uh, prison ministry, senior care, gap year students, and intercultural. And so my role is to walk alongside that intercultural stream and give some leadership to the teams across Canada, call them to collaboration and keep mobilizing and encouraging the church to engage in ministry with intercultural people groups in their communities. Because often we have immigrants and refugees coming into these communities that are in a very vulnerable place and what better picture can we have than the church wanting to step in through uh, a posture of love to care and love these people. And so my hope is that the church is risen to be the fullness of the church and to see the people around them that need Christ's love. And so that's what we will be engaging with in this next season of ministry. Thank you.